One, two, three. Harold and Brad, Windy City Filmmakers. Harold and Brad, Windy City Filmmakers. Harold and Brad. You're listening to the Harold and Brad Windy City Filmmakers podcast. Bonus footage. <laughs> Me and Lupe looked at each other like, why did Frank just say he was on crack team? Uh, it was hilarious, but I was like, so anyway, Atlantic didn't want to do the video. So then Killman leaked it to radio. That's right. how it got out there. So now they're chasing the record. The record was, oh my God, it's out there. It's blowing up. This song we really had no faith in is, is going out. So we need to do the video. So Kill was like, I want my guy to do it. And they were like, well, you know, we can't really, you know, we don't know his real, blah, 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 blah. And uh, we go, let's get hype with it. So I think uh, they had, I think hype had put a proposal together. And I think the video was going to cost them like $200,000. Right. Lupe and First and Fifteenth were very tight on their budget because they funded their whole project themselves. They didn't take any label money. And they were like, it didn't cost us this much to do the album. Why would we do that? We got a guy. That, that, that we confident in. He's I'm tied to the skating community here, you know. And so Atlantic was like, "Well, if you're doing it, we're not gonna pay for it." So they were like, "Fine." So Lupe, he had a, uh, they had a Reebok deal. He had a Reebok shoe deal at the time, and and he was like, "Look, you know, I'm still waiting on this check for Reebok, but we need to get the deal." I'm like, "Let's do it." Oh, you know. So uh, that's who you are. Get out there and get it yeah. done. Yeah, we got it done. You know, um, so we needed a lead skater. I needed somebody urban. Right. So there was this, this, this skater. He was a um, sponsored skater who had did some time in jail. He, he grew up, in, he was from Humble Park. And, uh, you know, when you in Humble Park, like, you know, when you're in the hood and, you know, people see people doing something they, they normally do, you get picked on. But, you know, he wasn't no punk, you know. Right. So he ended up doing a little time, whatever. So yeah. he had gotten out. And I was like, I got the perfect skater, but, you know, perfect guy, but I'm going to let you know he's got a record and blah, blah, blah. You know, my set picks, I was like, and he, Lou was like, is he good? I'm like, he's dope. So, brother named Kiko. And uh, so we got him and we shot. And so now this was the other thing about Kickfoot. It was the middle of winter. Right, right. When we shot that. Yeah. So, so every morning we would wake up, check the weather, and be like, okay, it's good. We, we, we got we got a little bit of sun, so we're trying to get all the skaters and grab them, shoot maybe 10 minutes, then the snow coming down or the rain, and we did that. We literally shot about 10 days for that. Because no doubt, that. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we finally did it, and so this this whole story gets interesting. So we shot it, and um, I get a call from, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was their Atlantic rep. He was like, okay, I need you. Matter of fact, this is right before we shot. He's like, I need you to meet me uh, at this hotel by by uh, O'Hare. Okay, cool. So I go to meet him, whatever. So he's got a duffel bag with him. So he's like, okay, cool. So I see that you're doing the video. We got some some ideas. So he hands me a card. He's like, this guy, he's got a Bentley coupe. So yeah, you know, uh, he'll bring the car out. Now this has nothing to do with kick push, right? You bring the, he'll bring the car out. You'll have a Bentley, blah, 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 blah. So then he's like, um, he, he pulls out these girl's boy short that has Lupe Fiasco is here across the butt. Right. And he hands me a card of a choreographer with some dancers. Like, yeah, and here's this, da, 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 you know, got Lupe, Lupe on the butt. You know, get that shot. And then, um, what was the other thing? It was just, 
it was crazy. None of this stuff had anything. I'm like, do y'all even listen to the song? Right. Oh, oh, and he was like, oh yeah. And can you do a shot with Kiko like riding through the hood and maybe he's skating past like gun gun shell casings on the side? Oh wall. man, yeah, yeah. So I was fuming because like I didn't, I thought I had creative control. So when I left, I called Chill. I was like, yeah, you know, such and such is me. He's like, I didn't even know he was in town. So he said, just nod your head, yes to all of it, and do none of it. Right. I was like, okay. So we did kick push. And uh, so back in the day, you had to send preview copies to like BET and all these other labels. So Lupe knew most of his fans were on MTV2 and not BET. So we were gonna, they were going to premiere it on MTV2. BET airs this DVD rough copy. They let them know an hour before 106 and Park that they finna play, they finna premiere the video. They weren't supposed to. Right. And then they're not playing it from the proper format. So I'm pissed. I'm like, that's supposed to be a digibeta. They got a DVD that they finna compress yeah. and, and put out there. So not only did they do that, uh, I forgot who the female host was. She just didn't have a clue. Because at the end of the video, she's looking like, she had this stern look on her face like, what did I just watch? Right, right, no right. guns, no gangs, no misogyny. Yeah. And Lupe, yeah. Lupe's fans have always been internet stacked. Yeah. Man, they blasted her so bad. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't think she was on the air a month after. Right. Uh, but yeah, they were like, y'all don't know what hip hop is or whatever. So it was crazy. You know, it was, it was a big thing to do. But it ended up being nominated for BET's first hip hop award. No doubt. And we yeah. were up against we were up against videos that had million dollar budgets. It was right. crazy. <laughs> you know, we lost, but the fact that, you know, we were even nominated was a great thing. Oh, that's also, nominated, uh, also nominated for a Grammy. And, yeah. And so we went on to do a bunch of projects for Lou, uh, off the Food Liquor album. And, uh, yeah. So that was, that was story of that one. That's dope. You know what's tripped out? Like, you know, it's, it's funny. What's not, well, I guess I guess it may not be funny how how the industry could be so reactive. You know, like nobody's going to hear Lupe Fiasco because they hadn't heard Lupe Fiasco. And then Lupe Fiasco blows up. And now everybody's chasing, you know, the next Lupe Fiasco or the same right. thing. Nobody wanted you on board. Then they see your skill set. It's just, just funny how reactionary... Uh, the industry can be or the industry is just yeah. you know it's tripped out yeah and what the crazier part was all these people with all these retarded suggestions were black people these right were not these were not white execs these are black people i'm just like wow <laughs> you know mm. so it, it reminds me of the the, the bet uh satire episode of the boondock you right. know that's really kind of what it was oh, like that, you know what it's tripped out like we were uh like i said we were talking to uh kenny and carl a while back and I brought up, uh, I'm blank on the name of the film, Jordan Peele and his... Uh, uh, his Not Get Out? Yeah, it, it was the film about the cat. They did a movie about a cat and they were trying to get the cat yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh -huh. and, I, and I remember that uh, Russell Simmons did an interview and he said, well, I don't know anybody in the hood who's going to see that movie. And it was almost like, well, the movie's not black enough. And, right. I, and I was like, well, you know, black people see a variety of films and can be in a variety of situations besides just the hood. Not that there's anything exactly. wrong with a hood movie, but right. I thought it was hilarious to see it, to see their take on yeah. what was going on. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like the way Wu-Tang was inspired by Chinese, by the old martial arts film. Oh, no doubt. You know, how yeah. you gonna limit them and how that shapes the Wu-Tang Clan, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, how do you go, go just limit what we capable of? Octavia Butler one of the most profound 
science fiction authors of our no time who don't get her date, right. don't really get her credit in school. You know, yeah. black woman, Midwest. Right. It's just like, come on, now. Man, you know, it, look at what we've created. It's, it's because we got this limited view of ourselves that this country has imposed on us. No doubt. Where right. we don't know nothing before, you know, pre-slavery. Part. Right. You know, it's like, y'all were slaves, y'all free. Like, no. Look at Mansa Musa. Look at what we've created. Like, America is a blip in terms of length of a, a, a country of a, a world power being in existence. No question. You know, and so, so, so let's let's uh, jump into what you've created, uh, uh, formulated with the whole paradigm saga, paradigm gray saga, the, the organization of bringing together the filmmakers and uh, the sci-fi mm-hmm. or aspect and stories. Dive right off into creating. So, parad- so paradigm gray came out of a lot of the frustration. So as a filmmaker, it's like you're not always making movies. You, you, we got corporate clients. We're doing industrial videos. We're doing music videos, um, training videos, all kinds of things we do as Impact Studio. We take pride in that. Um, a lot of times we're restricted by the the lack of vision of clients sometimes. Right. You know, sometimes you can persuade them to do something more creative, but a lot of times they just want to emulate something they've already done. So um, was already itching to do some stories. Um, um, had had a situation fall through uh, that, interestingly enough, timely enough, involved the Fred Hampton book. Right. Um, and uh, so I kind of stepped away from that. And like, okay, what can I do? So I ended up at a cafe uh, in um, in Bronzeville with a friend of mine, and uh, we were both talking about how frustrated we were with clients. Then another filmmaker friend called, who normally isn't in the city. He was in the city. I was like, well, come by the cafe. And then another one texted me. He was like, man, what you doing? I'm like, so it, it, we ended up like about six or seven filmmakers at a cafe, all complaining about the same thing. So I'm looking at everybody. We all pretty been in the game for 20 some longer years. So I put out a piece of paper and I said, write down as loose as you can your equipment. Look, what you got? Passed it around, came back. I looked at it. I was like, you know what we have here? I'm like, we have everything possible to make movies, to be a film studio. Nice, nice. So everybody kind of looked like, okay. So then they were like, well, you know, what about actors and stuff? So I was like, okay. So I did this short called EXO that uh, was in Mark Harris when they used to do the uh, Inglewood Film Fest. Every year he would invite me to to, to submit stuff, but I always only had client stuff. I really never had anything that was, you know, impact studio. So this particular time, my partner, my business partner, Hannah Mitchell, uh, AKA Black, she edits everything you've ever seen in Brian. Um, she was like, Chris, we've turned around music videos to MTV for 24 hours. We got seven days. I'm pretty sure we can come up with a short film. So, came up with an idea. And of course, I was like, it's got to be sci-fi. So, I had to create a monster, create a story, create some props, right. uh, cast it, and shoot it in record time. I think we finished the final render maybe uh, 40 minutes before we were supposed to show it. <laughs> so, one thing that happened, at the end, it was, it was quick. It's like four minutes. We showed it, and at the end, you know, it, they showed it before something else. And, and people were like, well, wait a minute. No, we want to talk about that film we just saw. You just can't just jump into the next thing. We just saw something we ain't never seen before. And um, so what ended up happening, ended up adding the short EXO to every day of the festival, the, the remaining days of the festival, and added Q&A. And after the Q&A, I would have these actors and actresses come up to me, and they were like, look, if this is the kind of stuff you're talking about doing, I want to be part of it. Dope, dope, dope. Drug, yeah. drug addict. Uh, you know, the, the same 
shit different day. Excuse my language. Right. So I was like, okay. So at this meeting, I, I randomly called a couple actors and actresses. I was like, look, I ain't got no money, but I'm finna do it. And before I could finish, it's like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, okay, we got talent that's willing. We got the, you know, the, the equipment collectively, you know, how can I make this work? So there's a saying that the late um, Stan Winston, who, who ran Stan Winston Visual Effects, they designed Predator, Alien, Jurassic Park, the practical Jurassic Park, they have huge effects companies. And one of the things he said is managing artists is like herding cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, because we're because I've got all this talent, but we all kind of got chips on our shoulder. You know right. I mean? We first of all, we black and creative. We already rare because we black and super creative. Yeah. So you know, luckily enough, we're not super as super competitive with ourselves when we try to take each other's business. We're trying to just outdo each other. It's like, okay, I did this. Ooh, well, I did this. So it's like, okay, how do I bring that energy and keep it together? So I was like, okay. Um, the first season of, of Black Mirror was uh, I had found a way to see it because it wasn't available in the state. Yeah. So I had all the episodes and I was like, we're going to do an anthology. Yeah. So everybody is responsible for their own story. That's whatever cool. equipment you need that I have, if you need me, whatever, you got it. And so we started started putting this together. I was like, but no one does anything. No one writes us a word to you all watch. Black this Mirror. first season of Black Mirror. So everybody watched Black Mirror and they're like, whoa, I'm like, that is the boss. It was like, they got millions of dollars. I'm like, still, we got gear, we got talent. Right. If we keep that as our bar, we're going to be all right. So we went to do it. And one of the brothers, David Johnson, was done like that. Now, Dave was working for the government, got kids, family. He's doing the whole thing. I'm like, how did you finish your short so quick? His answer was simple. I hate my job. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. No so he doubt. put a fire on us because everybody else was full-time filmmakers. You know, right. Production company. So we were like, oh, shit. He done put a fire on us, but he did it and done. We were like, oh, man, it was dope. And uh, it was called uh, uh, Bloodline uh, with Coco Elises and uh, uh, Hannah Bonecutter. And it's just a brilliant piece. Uh, brilliant piece. So then um, uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy Stigman, he wrote a story um, called Outer Layers and uh, Jonathan Woods and T.A. Crowder, Axie Mundy, and all these stories coming in. I'm reading these scripts and stuff. And we like, I'm looking at these scripts like, how, what, are the, what kind of monster have I created? Because uh, I was going to pull this stuff off. Axie Mundy takes place on a whole other planet. <laughs> you know? Uh, then when they saw my story, they're like, Chris, you got a six-foot robot in your story. What's that? <laughs> and it's post-apocalyptic, war-torn, you know, right. environment. Yeah. You know, but man... We worked it out. We shot right. green screen. We shot stuff at Starved Rock. We shot in 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 buildings we were not supposed to be in that were right. on the verge of collapsing. Yeah, did, yeah. I mean, I literally had to bring in a structural engineer in, in um to, to tell us where we can and can't go in the short that um I shot with Harold called Reset to make sure it was safe. We had to do asbestos testing. You know, I just lucky I knew uh, some brothers in, in construction and, and, and stuff that, you know, were able to, to handle that course. We knocked it out. Right. Running gun, straight gorilla, you know, and we, we put these stories together and uh, uh, we had a screening. We had 762 people show up. It was 
phenomenal night. It was, it was intense. Uh, I lost a lot of sleep leading up. As a matter of fact, I hadn't because we were rendering at the theater. Oh, no doubt. That's we dope. Were, that's we were, deep. We were waiting on the final piece. And right. so I had to render. I got the final piece. I had my laptop in my truck. Hoping that the power didn't cut off before I got there and plug up. <laughs> Hoping I didn't unplug the, the, right. the three USB drives that were attached to it. I was like, get the door, get the door. And we brought it in and finished like literally 20 minutes before uh, it, it screened. You know, and, you know, people loved it. It was, it was amazing to, to, to see that many people like, yeah, we want to see stories like Yes. This. And yes. we were before Get Out, right? before Black Panther. You know, so it was interesting because, like, I remember trying to get money for uh, for other sci-fi projects that I had, and people didn't uh, the, the investors didn't get it because there was no press. Right. But it was funny after Black Panther, all the people called me. I'm like, "Oh, we good, man. I don't need the money." <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> we done did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, but Paradigm Green, more importantly, um, we see it as a launching pad because it's an anthology. We right. can do whatever we want. And no so doubt. we can also use it as a, as a test bed for other ideas. So like the world that uh, Jonathan and Ted's film, Access Monday, takes place in, they've got more stories that take place in that world. Right. The, the story that that, um, that, uh, that Harold is in, Reset, I have a whole backstory on how this character even gets to this part that, you know, we can do with a, with a, a real budget. You know, so we want to use this as a launch pad. Like, okay, if people really like this idea, boom, okay, let's shift our resources and expand that world. So it's almost like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're not necessarily connected, but they all come under the banner of Paradigm Grant. So we just recently uh, secured um, distribution. So it should be available in the next month or so. Oh, uh, so I'm oh, excited oh. about that. So it'll be on a variety of platforms. And we held our, I held my guns because it took us a long time to get a distributor to give us what we wanted. It's not the most financially lucrative, but we have all our rights. Right. To me, that was more important. Oh, and not God. only that, they want to help us fund more volume of Paradigm Break. So it's a really nice relationship. Right. Because um, some of the first meetings I had, because like we had, I, had, I had gotten the cover of the Tribune, um, not the art section, the actual cover. People were like, whoa, okay. Matter of fact, Kenny and Carl, or I think Carl, they called me, because, uh, you know, and when you're in L.A., you can get newspapers from all around the world. So the right. newsstands, he's, he's like, dude, I just saw you on the paper. <laughs> I'm here in L.A. I see you on the paper, on the front of the paper. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And um, so people were calling. Um, but one of the first things that people that wanted to buy the film, they were like, okay, we want to buy the film. But we're not going to put that one out. We're going to redo it with white acts. Right. Right. <laughs> like, that defeats the purpose. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You know, or they just want to take all the rights and all. I'm like, you know what? I, and I was just so blessed with other filmmakers. And we, we went through some hardships. You know, like I actually had a break in uh, in production. And uh, like I literally lost computers, hard drives. I ended up having to pay, black, pay back clients tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, man. Uh, a project that, I, that couldn't be reshot. Right. You know, and that was a big step back. We thought we had lost um, Tommy's footage for his film, uh, uh, Outer Layers. And um, we we thought we were going to reshoot. One of the actors had relocated to LA. I'm like, oh man, how are we going to do this? And a client of mine, I had, I forgot I had loaned her a hard drive to uh, put some files on. And she called me up one day. She's like, no, I got one of your drive. And so I was like, what's on it? And she started naming stuff, and she, she said the title of Tommy's movie. I'm like, oh, my God, I'll be there to pick that drive up. So luckily, I had backed it up, 
right. you know, in more than one place, you know. But yeah, it was it was intense, you know. I'm, I'm so proud of what we did and I can't wait for those that haven't seen it for the world to see it and I think they're going to be impressed. I mean, we did this movie almost, what, almost three, four years ago now, uh, Hill, and uh, it still stands up to the test of time. And it was funny because, like, I thought after Black Panther, I'm like, okay, it's, we're about to see a whole bunch of black sci-fi. No. <laughs> and I, I talked to people in acquisition, right. and they were like, okay, Black Panther made a billion dollars. Why are people still submitting these slave dramas to us? Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't understand that. It's like, we would think that we were going to see some more creative right. stuff after that. But, you know, people stuck on what they stuck on. You know, yeah, yeah those can be, you know, yeah, those are, are stories that need to be told and things like that. But, Economically, they don't make a lot of money, and to me, they fall into the white, the white farces, right? Uh, category where it's like they're not really for us; they're for them. So they can yeah. feel good, you know, because they always go put some white savior character in a lot of them, right? <laughs> you know, like we wasn't all bad, you know. <laughs> we we said, you know, get out the plantation. So you know, yeah. So we're trying to break down all those tropes: the magical Negro, uh, the white savior. We're trying to break all of them down, you know. And, you know, people like, you know, you want your foot in the door? No, I don't even want to, that, that door wasn't even designed for us. We should have built our own lane. Right. You know, that's, that's the way, I, that's the way I feel about it. You know, why fight for something? They don't, they didn't want you there. Why, why you want to fight to be in? Right. I can care less about those systems. And so now with the democratization of digital platforms, it's, you know, it's really about just focusing your energy, focusing your effort and, and doing, doing the work. If the gears come down, you got to master the gear, you know, Shoot. I got started this business 30 years ago. My cell phone shoots better than what I started with. Uh, no question. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. So it, it feels yeah. great. It feels great to uh, send in an audition with just my cell phone now. <laughs> it's a new world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was exactly. saying uh, we have powerful tools at our disposal. Oh, no doubt. I was saying, like, we did we interviewed, like, uh, Tam and Kev. They're, like, a couple there out in L.A. And I was saying, like, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first films I shot back in the day was a short called uh, Walt Brother Walt, right? And we shot that on 35 okay. millimeter. And, like, all the stuff it took, we got the film from Columbia College, had to get it developed. And now, like, there's no, there's no excuse to not shoot something you really want to shoot because the cell phone has exactly. just changed up everything <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. you can shoot mm-hmm. you can edit on your cell phone it's just like amazing and and, and right. uh, uh, Chris let me say that Brad is an excellent storyteller he should uh, show you some of this stuff because uh, he's a, a paradigm gray type of guy and we just got to find that sci-fi yeah, Brad maybe man we, well, we, we need to bring him aboard sure. I know he's that. a real, real, he's a real creep. already in so good stuff. there you go good stuff <laughs> we know what we, we're almost out of time Chris so before we get out of here we, we always ask people and man we, I feel like we could talk forever like yeah. it goes so quick the time so w- yeah. what advice would you give to a, a young person looking to get into the indus- industry and follow in your footsteps what, what advice would you give them First, buy a camera, buy a computer. You have way more resources than I ever had. You can learn about any piece of software, almost any camera on YouTube. I call it YouTube University. Yes. Anytime I get some new gear, you know, and I want to get up to speed really quick. It's, it's such a sharing community, the independent filmmaking community. Right. You know, you got these people that want to do these big, huge epics, and you can. You really can. You, you'd be amazed at what you can find online. And you have to be committed. Like, I didn't go to school, so that meant I wasn't going to parties, I wasn't hanging out. 
I was at the library. I was yes. looking at magazines. Yes. Yes. I was looking at behind the scenes on any DVD that had behind the right. scenes stuff. If it was anything sci-fi, I had it. I was like, oh, I got to get the, the steel box edition because it's got all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad like Netflix is now putting a lot of behind the scenes stuff because that was the one thing I felt missing with digital age is you need to see the behind the scenes because like I've seen the, the computer screen in the background of the interview. I'm like, oh, that's that software. Okay, just that quick. I didn't figure it out, you know, right. what it can do. But nothing can stop you. Only you can stop you. Yes. As an independent filmmaker and you no have doubt. to be committed. You got to work hard. It ain't easy. No doubt. You know, you just got to put in. You got to put in work. You know, uh, one of my clients, Floyd Mayweather, you know, his his mantra is hard work, dedication. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you put, a, you put a long time in with Floyd, uh, traveling and recording. Yeah, yeah, working on and off with a docu- on a documentary with him. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's a whole nother planet. You know, right. to be with someone at that level is amazing. He's an amazing person, amazing businessman. No question. Like, yeah. people have no idea the, I mean, you got to think about it. He's, like, roughly the wealthiest athlete in the world. Right. And he has no sponsors. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, no sponsors, yeah. No sponsors. And his, and I used to ask him about that. He's like, he's like, I don't want anyone to tell me what I can and can't say or do. Yeah. And so he brought up Tiger, you know, when Tiger got in his, his little trouble, Nike was like, we couldn't pull his sponsors to take you. Or like, we don't pull your sponsors. That's millions and millions of dollars I didn't find. Can't nobody do that to fool. <laughs> you know? Right. He's like, I'm going to say and do whatever the hell I want. And it ain't going to take my back. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Yeah. That's dope. You know what? Like along those lines, it's like you were saying. To me, it's can I always say that even if you don't go to school, you go to school. Like if you don't go to school from the standpoint of being yeah. in school and like uh, get a paying tuition, if you're serious about it, school is your your yep. bedroom. It's the library that you that you still are in school, so to speak, learning. If you really want to become great yeah. at what you're doing, which is dope. Exactly. And then the, uh, the other the, the other important part of that too is. You have to know, do you need a classroom environment to learn? If you don't have the right. self-discipline, there are people that need to be in the classroom. Yeah. I mean, and even that, there's still courses you can take online even now. You know, shoot, go, go pay for the master class. Those are wealth of information. Oh, no doubt. Um, but yeah, you need to just be honest with yourself. Be like, do I need a classroom? You know, I mean, schools definitely offer things like they offer access to, you know, millions of dollars of equipment, but at what cost, you know? Um, I mean, that's all great and, and dandy, you know, but, you know, at this point, you know, cameras are really computers with no lenses. Question. No question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all there. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's a tool. Just because right. I give you a pen don't mean you're going to be Picasso. <laughs> 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 no doubt. Well, i tell you what, Chris, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. I've been talking with you, getting to rap with you. But until next time, for Brad Stevens and... Harold Dennis. As always, dream big, dare to be great. We talk to we talk to you. Peace. 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 Yeah.